Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Hi, I'm RPJ, and welcome to another episode of Dad's Read Princess Stories. Today's story is of Princess Isabella, otherwise known in history as the She-Wolf. This true tale of the French princess will be read by Rob King. Rob King lives in Victoria, B.C. with his wife, Anna, and his one-year-old daughter, Madeline. In this time of social distancing, he spends his time at home writing software, gardening, and renovating. Once upon a time, there was a French princess called Isabella. In the year 1308, at the age of only 12 years old, she was married to the King of England, Edward II. The only problem was that King Edward wasn't in love with Princess Isabella. He was in love with a young knight named Piers Gaveston. Now, it wasn't shocking that the king had a lover, nor was it a problem that his lover was a man. The problem was that when Gaveston was around, King Edward could barely hold a conversation, much less govern, risking his entire kingdom and the lives of thousands of soldiers. To make matters worse, King Edward became a complete wreck whenever Gaveston wasn't around. This made the wedding of Isabella and Edward quite awkward. For when they became married in France, Gaveston stayed in England with his own child bride, King Edward's 15-year-old niece. Finally, a few months later, King Edward and his new bride, Princess Isabella, arrived in England, and a great ceremony at Westminster Abbey was held. Isabella then got to witness firsthand just how deep Edward's love was for Gaveston. Whilst investing Isabella with the title of queen, it was Gaveston who held the crown. At the coronation afterwards, it was Gaveston who sat next to the king under tapestries that depicted not the emblems of Isabella and Edward, but the arms of Edward and Gaveston. And to make matters worse, King Edward handed over all the wedding gifts from Isabella's father, horses, jewels, to his one true love, Gaveston. It wasn't long before England's lords and earls had decided that Gaveston was too great a distraction and needed to be removed but the attempts to exile Gaveston proved futile, for King Edward would send Gaveston away and then, a few months later, call him back. By the year 1312, frustration reached a boiling point, and civil war was in the making. King Edward and Gaveston fled to the countryside, trying to keep ahead of the lords. But on May 19th of that year, Gaveston surrendered to the king's enemies at Scarborough Castle where the king had left him with only one battalion for safety. One month later, Gaveston was executed without a trial. This enraged the king, and he swore revenge. Meanwhile, Isabella was biding her time, now an adult and pregnant with King Edward's son. On November 12, 1312, Isabella, now 17, gave birth to a boy, thus doing her duty to the crown and husband, making her position secure. Isabella had also in this time accumulated enough political power to manage her useless husband and to try and keep the nation from civil war. She pushed King Edward and the lords to sign a peace treaty, patching things up, if only for the moment. But it was King Edward's most powerful earl and the man responsible in part for Gaveston's murder, named Lancaster, that refused to aid him. Even worse, Lancaster was planning and plotting against the king whilst England was left without a real leader. In the year 1318, 
King Edward once again became infatuated with the young man. But unlike Gaveston, Hugh Dispenser was cruel, paranoid, and shrewd. Dispenser used his relationship with the king to seize his rival's lands. The more and more he hoarded gold and land, the more and more the lords began defecting to Lancaster's side. As much as Isabella tried to maintain peace between the king, his magnates, and France, they all collectively demanded Dispenser to be exiled. And so, in July of 1321, King Edward gave the order. Ever so sly, Dispenser went only as far as the English Channel, where he turned to pirate merchant ships, whilst waiting for the word from King Edward. Meanwhile, Lancaster had found himself on the losing side of battle. He was arrested and executed as a traitor. King Edward had his revenge and quickly called back Dispenser's to England to make him his chief advisor. Ever greedy, Dispenser then started to make his move on Isabella's property and that of her children. But Isabella was a seasoned political manipulator. And in 1325, when England's and France's relationship had fallen apart, it was decided that Isabella was the one best suited to work out a solution with her relatives back home. And so she went back to France, followed six months later by her 12-year-old son, Prince Edward III. And just like that, the 27-year-old Isabella held the trump card, the heir to the English throne. Isabella spent months getting all of her ducks in a row. She got France on her side, and she won the loyalty of a faction of disaffected Englishmen. These men were led by Roger Mortimer, who became not only Isabella's captain, but her lover as well. To gather a larger military, she engineered a marriage between the young Prince Edward III and the daughter of a French count. It was then that she showed her full hand, saying, I feel that marriage is a joining together of man and woman, and someone has come between my husband and myself, trying to break this bond. I protest that I will not return until this intruder is removed. This shocked the king. On her departure, she did not seem to anyone to be offended, said the king. By cleverly shifting the blame to Dispenser and casting herself as the dutifully wronged wife, Isabella had laid out a subtle and ingenious plan to remove the useless king. And so, in September of 1326, Isabella and Mortimer set sail for England with her daughter-in-law's dowry of 700 soldiers and a pack of mercenaries paid by her brother, the King of France. The end came swiftly. On November 16th, the king and Dispenser were caught trying to flee across open country in Wales. Hugh Dispenser was brought before Isabella and sentenced to death. He was stripped naked, dragged through the streets, then hauled 50 feet in the air by his neck. He was then castrated and disemboweled whilst still alive. Once he was dead, he was lowered down and beheaded. King Edward II was confined to Monmouth Castle as a prisoner of Henry of Lancaster, brother of the Earl Edward, had executed four years before. Isabella then argued that by fleeing to Wales... Edward II had abandoned England and his right to rule it, and therefore Prince Edward III was the rightful ruler. The bishops and lords of England agreed, and they forced King Edward to step down. So, on February 1st of 1327, at the age of 14, Edward III became king, and Isabella, as the mother of the underage ruler, now held authority over England. But not all was set for Isabella. This was the first time in history that the country had ever had a living ex-king. 
Now, Edward II may be an ex-king, but he was still the husband Isabella, and thus the queen. With the Spencer dead, she had no real legitimate reason not to return to him. And so Isabella and her captain, Mortimer, on September 21st, 1327, had the ex-king murdered at the age of 43 by violent application of a red-hot poker up his backside. Isabella and her captain had removed all traitors and rivals and were content to run things in England indefinitely. But young King Edward III had learned a trick or two at his mother's knee. In 1330, only three years after his mother seized power, the 18-year-old king outflanked his own mother. Mortimer was arrested as a traitor and hung to death on November 29th. Isabella had only one choice, except the death of her lover and an enforced retirement surrendering her vast estates to her son. Isabella lived the rest of her life in quiet obedience to her son, dying in 1358. The she-wolf of France, as she came to be called, was buried with a silver vase containing the heart of her husband, Edward II. So the moral of this story, of course, is, well, I mean, it seems that power tends to corrupt people fairly completely. Even those who would not normally have as much power, such as women in this time of uh, history. So after all that brutal slaying and murdering and usurping, I hope you have a good sleep. Well, good night. That was Rob King reading the story of the French princess Isabella the She-Wolf. You can follow Rob on Instagram at Wes Creative and Facebook Robert King. You can follow Rob on Instagram at WS Creative and Facebook Robert King. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at Dad's Read Princess Stories and on Twitter at Dad's Read. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Join us next week for another episode of Dad's Read Princess Stories. I'm RPJ. Thank you for listening. Stay safe.